Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Season one of Freelance to Founder is sponsored by FreshBooks, the number one invoicing software for freelancers and solopreneurs. Having started with just one person and growing to serve thousands of customers, FreshBooks knows exactly what it takes to scale your solo business. And a huge part of scaling is getting paid what you deserve and on time. With FreshBooks, you can send an invoice in less than 30 seconds. Plus, they have this really cool feature where you can see when your client has opened their invoice and schedule automatic follow-up emails that trigger if they forget to pay. To try FreshBooks free for 30 days, visit freshbooks.com FTF and enter FTF in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Thanks and enjoy today's episode of Freelance to Founder. If you're being paid 25 cents and you're doing okay, but you still can't keep shoes on your kids and you're not able to pay the baseline tuition for the government school fee, so your children aren't being educated, and your art is still being sold for $200 somewhere else, I mean, maybe even just 100 kilometers up the road, why shouldn't you be paid 75 cents for it? Because that 75 cents is going to make that difference for you. Maybe you can get clean water. Maybe you can get a system to have heat in your home on the cold days, and you would not otherwise be able to. And it doesn't really take anything away from the $200 price tag. But if you don't know to ask... And if you don't know how to ask for 75 cents, you'll never get it. From Millo, I'm Dallin Wright, and this is Freelance to Founder, an all-new podcast about what it takes to scale your solo business and build something bigger than yourself. On today's show, you'll learn about Adrienne Takor. She's the founder of Kamari Arts, a company dedicated to creating economic and artistic opportunities for female artists from Nepal and India. We've told you some very inspiring stories about entrepreneurs achieving some pretty awesome success. But for the companies aired so far, they're a little further along in their success story than the one I'm going to share with you today. We'll learn about a company right in the middle of the struggle to succeed. Success, as they define it, is still on the horizon. But sometimes the journey to that horizon is a little further than you anticipated. This may just be the inspiration you're looking for to get you in the business of you. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane, effective home workout. That's because Hydro 
compares the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people calling with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. Adrian, an African-American born and raised in Lexington, Kentucky, was exposed to books, music, and the art collection of her antique store-owning parents, which in turn developed a curiosity for exploring outside the borders of North America, and eventually to Nepal. What's interesting is that Nepal was not a popular place among the regular folks 13 years ago like it is now. People will say now hey, Nepal is really cool. It's on the top 10 countries to visit. It wasn't 13 years ago. I worked about 80 hours a week, saving you know, 40 hours a week and using 40 hours a week to live um, the income from that. And as I've personally learned, when Adrienne focuses her attention on a goal, she achieves it. And many years ago, she found herself landing in Kathmandu, where she did typical tourist things and one very big non-tourist type of thing. So I spent probably the first month just soaking in ancient culture, buildings that were over a thousand years old that were still standing. I spent my time drinking hot tea, sweating, climbing lots of stairs to temples, just looking at the landscape, hearing the people, smelling the smells. And through my research process, actually, I met my husband. And so my three to four month intentional stay in Nepal expanded into the 19 months in Nepal because I established a relationship with him um, over the internet. We met in a chat room where I was researching Nepal as a country. But I really did know the first, within the first two hours of being in his presence that I was gonna be there for a long time and that he would become the ultimate souvenir and he continues to be. I called my parents. I said, yes, I'm getting married. And they said to that boy that you said that you knew that you met. I said, yes. And, you know, my father was very quiet. 
I envisioned him gritting his teeth with his temple bulging. That's what I envisioned. And my mother just kind of, she was like, well, if that's what you want to do. And so she immediately made plans to come out. Four months after we were married, she was able to come and she spent three weeks with us, met his family, met him, and the rest is history. Everything's dandy. The relationship with her husband, Yashwanta, and his family is actually where the business spark first began to form. My mother-in-law creates these elaborate hand-cut, top-stitched applique quilts. And she would sit what most of us would refer to as Indian style, cross-legged on the floor, in a sari, with her glasses, a needle, a pair of scissors, and a pile of fabric. And she would hand cut these elaborate designs and lay them out in elaborate patterns, all this working on, a, on her lap, sometimes with a loom, sometimes not, and create these applique quilts. And I just thought that was completely fascinating. And it took me back to my Appalachian roots, to the, the slave tradition of creating blankets and household items out of whatever was available. I really I felt that. I saw it. So being with her in her village and seeing that and then going to the tourist shops in Kathmandu and seeing where some of her work was displayed for sale and other women's as well and looking at the price tags that they were putting on these pieces of art and then asking her how much she sold it to the distributor for incensed me. (laughs) I was not pleased. And proceeded to tell her and every woman who would listen to me, you know, in my very American-like way, um, that they were being swindled and they needed to appreciate themselves more. And I vowed at that point that I had to figure out a way for people to respect the value in the art that they were creating. They don't have an understanding of the economic value. And people who do have an understanding of economic value are not sharing it with them and educating them and helping them grow, especially when women are in a position in that country where they don't have access to economic opportunity. The prevailing thought is that women's place is in the home. And it's only been recently that women, even if they went to college, have had the opportunity to find jobs, to use their educations outside of raising their children. And I'm not saying that using your education, your experience, and your knowledge to raise your children is any less. However, when you have a country where there's no money, where opportunity is limited, and you have all of these talented women who are being exploited, it seems counterintuitive to me that someone can't help them grow their talent to make economic opportunities so they can have better experiences in their family lives. Fast forward to about two years ago and I said I can finally figure out after 10 years how to create that economic opportunity for women in Nepal. And that business is KamariArts.net K-U-M-A-R-I-A-T-S.net where Adrian sells clothing and art authentically handmade by the women of Nepal and India. Simple enough, right? Buy some products wholesale, sell them online, collect your money, and move on. Plenty of people do just that. So what makes this story unique? First off, you have to communicate with your suppliers, or in this case, the artists, who don't have a strong business sense at all. 
You're working with people who are unfamiliar with standard business practices. And to make it easier, it all takes place in a third world environment. Training is a large component of the Kamari Arts Enterprise. I don't ever tell anybody how much they should price their product for. What I will say is, when you're thinking about how much you want to sell this to me for, think about what you had to put into it. So, if you had to wait for your husband to get home from work, ride on the back of his motorbike across the border to India to go to the one shop where they have the best high quality, highest thread count cotton fabric to make this pillow cover, how much more did that cost you than going down the street to the local guy where it's a little bit off-white and it's got a little bit lower of a thread count? Think about that. So what is going to be the price difference in what it cost you economically, opportunity-wise, time investment, and what is that worth to you? Then I say, how much time did it take you to cut this fabric? Because of the demand, did you have to put something else aside? So I teach them about what pricing is. Are there other buyers than me asking you to create this product? It's not just the money that you spend, um, especially when you're an artist, especially when you're self-employed, especially when what you do is unique. How unique it is has something to do with how much it's worth. Whether or not you're just selling me the piece to be used to resell or if you're selling me the painting because I'm going to license and reuse a particular image because I have that element of my business as well. There are certain paintings where honestly, the whole painting is of little value to me, but the one image in the right corner is what I really am attracted to and I think that I can make work on a t-shirt, on a screen print for a pillow cover or on a, the front of a notebook. It's not the same price, it's just selling the painting when you're going to be giving away your creation for other people to use. And understanding that licensing piece is very difficult for people. And I'll just ask people, are you sure? Because I'm not in the swindling business. I know how much I can spend. You know, it's just like anything else. You go to the grocery store, broccoli's two nineteen a pound a day. You put on your grocery list that you're only spending $1.99 a pound, you have to stand there. Is it worth getting the fresh broccoli for $2.19 today? Am I going to go to the frozen section and get it for a dollar? Or am I going to wait till tomorrow? You have to make those decisions in every purchase that you make. Everything has a value to you and to the person who's selling it. people do that? Inform their vendors how to ask for and get a fair payment. We'll hear more about Kamari Arts and what work there is to do after finding a willing vendor in a third world country. We'll hear that and more after a quick break. Season one of Freelance to Founder is sponsored by a company that also started with just one employee and has grown to serve thousands of customers. That company's name? FreshBooks. Lots of Miller readers and listeners use FreshBooks every day to manage their growing business. Here's what Ian from ianvadas.com has to say. I've used FreshBooks for years to help with late payments. Their automated reminder emails are a great feature that gives clients a nudge to pay up without having to have that uncomfortable money conversation. 
To join Ian and try FreshBooks free for 30 days, visit freshbooks.com slash FTF and enter FTF in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's FTF as in Freelance to Founder, the show you're listening to right now. And we're back. Let's hear what the greatest challenge to Kamari Arts is through both Adrian and her husband, Yashwanta. There are complications. You know, there's a few models. You can just go once a year, have a great vacation, and bring back 10 or 20 bags of stuff, which is how I would like to do it, but it's not the most practical way to spend your funds. I'd say the greatest challenge is having someone on the ground in the country of origin who you can trust to obtain the items, evaluate the items, package them, and get them out of the country for you. You want your items to have a certain level of quality, cleanliness, and a shelf appeal that you can use right out of the box. Um, just like anywhere, there's there's levels of creativity, there's levels of quality, marketability in any product. And so having someone who can either really communicate with you nowadays over Skype or taking pictures or Facebook Live or whatever it is you're going to be using to help you see and evaluate, and you can really trust their judgment. I'd say that's the biggest challenge. Everything else just takes money. Let me introduce you to Yashwanta, the extremely kind, extremely smart husband from Nepal. Yashwanta. Yeah. Oh, Yashwanta. Yeah. Okay. All right. Seal it in my mind. I make the connection back home. And I gathered the, all the artists, what she want, her design, and I'm kind of working as a, you, you can say the middleman or communicator. Hello. Hello, Lily. Hi, Danja. Yes, what's your She was my niece. She is one of the artists. She does all the painting, painting. She does the quilting. She does all kind of things. So I just spoke with her, and she was saying that the one artist was in my village. Her work was not that good, but the other, I asked Sobha. Sobha, herself is not that good, but her mother is very good. So. I I told I told her that maybe we can go together there. When I um, 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 when I go there, we'll go together and talk to her to join us. So. So if you can find someone you can trust to help you manage the process of obtaining the material, then all they have to do is set it for export, pay the tariffs. And once it arrives, you in the United States, you have to have a relationship with customs. And you the really the best way to do that is to find a trusted customs broker. It is extremely difficult, even for people who have an understanding of the legal system and can and have been trained. It is just a difficult, particular um Area And I think a good customs broker, if you don't have time to learn it all, is the way to go. And again, that's that's a cost. So that's kind of the model that I that's my ideal model. Another thing you really have to consider when you're dealing with developing countries, especially one like Nepal that has ongoing 
political issues. It's a very young democracy. 1996 was their first constitution. It's a very young democracy. And they've had five constitutions since then. Um, When there is political trouble and, you know, fuel shortages occur or there are work stoppages or strikes. They, they close the whole Nepal. There's no communication, no transporter, and none of the shops are open. You can't find gas, like a petrol, to ride a bus, and there's no bus. If you have a bus, if you ride, they will break it. They will destroy it, this kind of thing. So nobody dare to bring their vehicle while in a strike. So if the materials aren't being produced, especially if you're doing it in a small shop style, which is my model, um, how do you get ahead of that when things are good so that when things are slowing down, your business chain is not affected? I think that is really the, the biggest challenge in dealing with a developing country. And, and, and these days we see that a lot from Arab, Arab Spring to um, Civil War and African countries. It doesn't really matter. Or natural disasters in the Caribbean. It doesn't really matter where you're starting. Um, those kinds of stoppages have to be anticipated. I honestly, very ignorantly thought that importing would be like mailing. It's not at all. Understanding the challenges they face, I asked Adrian about her goals for the coming year. One year ahead would be the goal. Right now, I'm a season ahead, and it's very uncomfortable. Um, I'll just be truthful. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. So, you know, we're coming up on Christmas. Can I get enough items either through pre-order or can I get enough items in September um, that I can use to sell during the holiday season, which we all know is retail bliss, you know, starting right about October 1. If you can have yourself set up, you can make your year. If you don't have it, your year might not look so good. So we have purses, luggage bags, storage bags, you know, that are linen or cotton or hand-dyed. What are they going to like this year? Is it going to be the denim look? Am I going to be able to have a consistent color in my product with the denim look? Because blue is so hard to deal with. You know, so is that going to happen? Um, in the shawl market, what are we going to want? Are we going to want the full size 36 by 72 inches this year? Or is the, you know, 12 by 5 feet, is that what's going to be popular this year? Uh, or both? And to what degree? And what colors? Because you, the last thing you want to do is to invest in advance and then not be able to sell it. It is social entrepreneurialism, but it is still entrepreneurialism. I also asked both Adrian and Yashwanta about how well they've done so far and what it takes for them to get to the next level. My point is keep working, keep growing. And I don't know, I have to test it first. I haven't tested yet. Success. What it is really is that the business is slower than I anticipated. Um, and that could be, you know, a personality issue with me. I want everything and I want it right now. And I may not have been as realistic as possible in understanding how long it takes to dis- establish and develop the business. There is a lot of interest. There's a lot of movement. How do you convert that into regular sustainable customers and an income flow is where I am. Over the next 18 months, my goal is to have the center open 
in the heart of the Mitula culture, which is in the, the city, so that I can have a dedicated supply of artists, of women who are really learning what it takes to turn this kind of natural thing for them into an economic opportunity. I have a passion and appreciation for the Mitula style of creating art because I have a relationship with the women who create it through my in-laws, through my husband, through how my daughter loves the piece that her grandmother created that I brought to her. That she, she loves it so much she won't even use it, you know? And to be able to take that and know that there are other women, some in my family, some not, who can see me going through the struggle. So when I tell them, I know it's hard for you to get over your natural shyness, to stand in front of a man who owns a factory, who creates stuff, who thinks you shouldn't even be there to begin with. I'm telling you, this is what you might feel on the inside. And this is what you need to think about to visualize when you're standing there. They can see that I've had to do it. And so they know that what I'm telling them this is something that you can use, a strategy that you can try, that it's from the heart and that I'm sincere. That's all for this episode. We'll be back next time with the story of C.J. Burton, founder of C.J. Burton Photography. You may not know his name, but you've likely seen his work gracing many of the magazine covers you pass by every day. In that episode, you'll also get to hear a pretty sweet duet performed over 20 years ago by C.J., and myself in the hills of Tennessee. You'll hear firsthand how creativity and personality have been his strongest asset from the very beginning. You can subscribe to the show and listen to the entire first season at FreelanceToFounder.com. While you're there, you'll also find a free gift we've included just for you. If you enjoyed the show, please head on over to iTunes and leave us an honest review. Ratings and reviews help us improve the show and help others find it more easily. For Milo, I'm Dallin Wright. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. I can talk with them anytime because they are my nephew. They call me when I'm sleeping. <laughs> Let me see if they're on mine.